I'm glad to hear that we didn't have any loss of life this weekend. It's Arkansas in the winter, so that means it could be anything outside, correct? And this year it was uh, tornadoes, 70 degree weather in the middle of December. What in the world is going on, right? Now, I I saw some posts and we had a lot of people who were uh, without power this week. Now, with that, I saw other posts. Uh, people would say, well, I heard og and coming in the next hour. Well, they told me to be fixed next 10 hours, blah, blah, blah. And they were really excited because they really wanted to get their power back on, okay? I didn't lose power this weekend, okay? So every time I saw those posts, I did what? Just keep scrolling. Keep on scrolling, right? The impact of the excitement of og and coming did not affect me the way it affected them. The idea of the OG&E truck pulling up outside of my house brought me no joy, no hope, no excitement, no expectation. Why? I already had everything I needed from OG&E. Now, if they wanted to send me a bill, a free bill for the month, that would be exciting, right? But to have the truck come out to fix my electricity, which is already working, yeah. But there are other people in the house today who you did not have electricity. Now, come on, I know there's more than three people, okay? I saw at least 15 posts on Facebook, okay? The idea of going for two days without hot showers, without hot food, without lights, without a TV. I mean, it is 70, so without the air conditioning, right? These are bad things, right? Do what? Terry? Sucks. Here we go. The first thing you said to me today, I had a cold shower this morning, which is code for don't talk to me for a while. <laughs> There's something about the way that we receive news, right? That news to someone who has no power is a big deal, right? To me, it's meh, meh. What is Christmas to you? Who's a Christmas person? Come on, raise your hand. Okay. Mm. There we go. One other person who's woo about it. Who's kind of indifferent about Christmas? Come on, hands. Anybody? Who used to be a big deal about Christmas, but then you got older and realized that all the presents go to the kids? Anybody? <laughs> the people with the most kids raise their hands first. Our circumstances, what's around us, right? It changes the way that news hits our ears, the way it affects our hearts, okay? There's something about the way that we receive the news. Now, if you guys notice in uh, the passage that we read, Pastor Larry actually read it after worship, and, and then we just read it just now, Isaiah 9. It talks about the coming in the kingdom of God. Now, the one part that most of us missed in there, okay, it outlined who it is that sees the coming of God. Who is it who sees the great light? Who is it? Come on. Say it out loud. I, I don't hear any English. People in darkness. What about everybody else? What do they see? We all assume that everybody sees this. We all assume that everybody saw the coming of Jesus. We all assume it was a big deal and the entire world was on edge waiting for this thing to happen. But you would be wrong. Not everyone saw it. Most people actually missed it. Most people didn't even care. Good news! Tidings! The OG&E truck is on its way. We're good. Send them somewhere else. Not really a big deal. 
How about this? Good news, it's Christmas time. And everybody goes, meh. Trees, eggnog, presents, right? Why should you rejoice as in as soldiers who plunder a city? Are you people who rejoice like soldiers who plunder a city? Anybody? When Christmas comes around, is that how you break it down at home? Do you cut the rug, right? Like soldiers who plunder a city, right? See, Advent, the job of Advent is to put us in the right place to hear the word. It's to, it's to move us emotionally, mentally, even physically, to put us in a place to where this news moves us. See, in the Christian world that I grew up in, I was taught that we had everything we needed in Christ, meaning everything had already been given to me. So all I need to do is pray right, have the right type of faith, act right, and I can access all of the things I need from God. What that means is this, the only thing I'm waiting on is what? Me. Correct? If everything I need has already been provided in Christ, then guess what? All I need to do is access it through my faith, through my prayers, through my sinlessness. And if I'm not getting what I need from God, it's because I have am waiting on me to grow up or to mature or to pray better or to do better. And so my eyes are always where? I'm not waiting on the OG&E truck. I just need to figure out how to flip the switch the right way to get the lights on. I don't need the OG&E truck. I've got to figure out how to use the remote control to get the TV I'm after. I don't need anything outside of what is right here. Now, this is very similar to the way most of us view Christmas. What, what is the big deal with Christmas for you? In your heart and your mind, what, is there anything about Christmas that really moves you? Spirit. Jesus. I love those answers because I can't say you're wrong, right? But a little bit, right? What moves most of you is family time, right? Time with family. What, huh? Candle. Oh, shh. Don't kiss up. Don't kiss up. The candlelight service. <laughs> what moves most of us are things that have nothing to do with Christmas. Family time is amazing. Presents are terrific. Having a meal with everyone at the table is great. Slowing down from work, having rest, all of these things are great. These are the things that move the majority of us. But this is not what this season is about. I want to, to put something out there this morning. I want to float something to us this morning. That Isaiah 9 tells us that there are a certain type of people who are able to see the coming of God. And then there are other people who do not see it. There are those who have sight to see what God is doing. And there are those who are blind to what God is doing. I want to propose to you this morning that we are blind. We do not see what God is doing. We don't hear the sound. We don't feel the hope. There's a reason for that. I've been studying Advent, and it's, it's been, uh, I learned about Advent about five years ago. And I've been learning about it every year, more, more, more. I learned something very interesting. These candles, there's supposed to be different themes for the candles. Love, joy, hope, peace, 
Christ, okay? And so each week you're supposed to focus on one of these great little uh, themes. What I learned about this is that those are only the recent themes. The ancient themes, the medieval themes are different. Death, judgment, sin, and the grave. How awesome is that? I was like, yes, I love Advent. It's beautiful, isn't it? How do we go from death, judgment, the grave, sin, and then we go love, joy, peace, hope? I love it, don't you? Here's why Advent is useful. Here's why it is a tool. Here's why it is a thing that we do every year here. We start with these candles in our services. And so each Sunday of Advent, we have one candle. Advent is four weeks long. We have the four blue candles. And we light one candle each week. The reason that we light these candles is a symbol of what it is that Advent is telling us. See, light is only needed when there's darkness. The reason that we light a candle is not to tell us that the world is bright and airy and beautiful and hopeful and and kind to everyone and fair. The reason we light candles even in the light is to remind us that even though this moment in this place we might feel as if life in the world is good, bright, airy, safe, the candles remind us that the world is still a dark, unfair, cruel, ugly place. The reason that we need Advent is because we need to be reminded that there are things that we need. In Isaiah, we we had this passage. It says in verse 2, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. The question to us is this. If we're not the ones in the light, what are we seeing? What's what's happening to us? See, See, Advent starts here in December. The church calendar, this is the first day of the year, of the new year for the church. We consider this New Year's. Everything before us is called ordinary time. And so we are now getting to the six months of the year where we focus on themes in the Scripture. We go on a journey. The reason that the new year starts in December and it doesn't start in September is because Advent starts in the time of the year where there's little light, where there's more darkness than light. When this practice first started, you're talking about a time with no electricity. A time when candlelight was the only light you had when the sun went down. We were out shopping the other day with the family, and it was 2.30. I was driving in the road, and I said, it looks like it's 7 o'clock at night. The way the light's coming, you just have that feel. Your body starts to shut down and say, it's time to go to bed. Amen? At 2.30 in the afternoon, (laughs) it's time to go to bed. And we still have to go to Target with the kids. It's not good. But you get it. There's something about this time of the year when the sun is missing. The darkness consumes more of the day than the light does. And this is when we start here. This is the space that we start our days. And so the church calendar goes with seasons. And the reason it does is because every season reflects what that, what that part of the calendar is trying to teach us. And Advent starts in the time of the year when things are dead. Have you seen the trees lately? Aren't they beautiful? 
No. Aren't the lawns just lush and green? This is Arkansas, by the way. That's the answer. No. No, they are not, right? The drive from here to Fayetteville is normally gorgeous and beautiful and inspiring. If you drive from here to Fayetteville, you will be depressed. You will see nothing but dead and gray. It's awful. It's oppressive, right? Historically, this is the time of year when people stay inside and they eat fatty foods. Sound good? Amen. We stay inside because it's cold outside, because it's oppressive, because it's scary, because it's this unknown. There are things out there that we are not comfortable facing. See, the cold is not comfortable. Now, it's bad to be hot. I mean, okay, who's weird? who prefers to be hot over cold? I mean, hot, hot. Yeah, okay. If it's cold, you can put more clothes on, right? What do you do if it gets too hot? You can't take your skin off. <laughs> Point made, discussion over, right? <laughs> this is a time of year when it is uncomfortable. There are things we do not want to face. Do you know why we don't do classes on Wednesday nights at this time of the year? We don't do tables? Guess. Because you won't come. <laughs> That's why. We make it sound great. Oh, it's a, it's a winter break. Spend time with your family. You're going to do it anyway. We're just going to go ahead and save ourselves the trouble, right? Because you don't want to face it. You don't want to face the darkness. You don't want to face the cold. There's something about those two simplistic childlike things that every one of us feels it. There's something about the dark and the cold. We go, let's just stay inside. What is the picturesque winter night? Having blankets and a fireplace and food, right? Comfort, a blanket, fireplace, food, comfort. Because I do not want to face what's outside that wall. Advent is the time of year when we have to face the things we do not want to face. We have problems, we go through struggles, you guys are not immune to that. But to a large extent, we are immune from what this world really is. Who loves those like compassion international videos on TV? Like the commercials with the starving children. Do you guys love those? Oh, no hands? I love Apple TV. You know why? I don't have to watch those commercials anymore. Do you think I'm an awful person now? There was a time when I could not fast forward or skip those commercials. I had to sit there and be reminded that there are children today that are going to starve to death. And all I want to do is watch my football game. Can you just, with that? What's even sicker is, no, I'm sorry. Who here gets more bothered by the animal commercials with the, with the sad cats? You know, this cat could die if you don't give $25.99 for three months, right? Come on. We want to push away the uncomfortable. We are insulated. We are bubbled. There is a world outside of us that we are unaware of, that we do not feel. And so what we get here in Advent is we get to see how different groups respond to the news. The first group, if you guys have noticed, okay, we talk about the gospel with Jesus a lot. The last shall be first. The lowly are a consistent theme. Who, how in the gospels do the people with nothing respond? 
Now we hear in the stories of Advent with the coming of Christ, we see shepherds, we see women, we see old people past their prime, we see barren mothers, we see blind fathers, we see people who have nothing to offer anyone. And these are the first people to see and to hear that God is coming. In all of the scriptures about the coming of Christ, there's only one priest whose reaction is recorded. Meaning of all of the people who spent time in prayer and in the scriptures, there's only one person who was sensitive and aware to the coming of Christ. Here, for example, imagine all the pastors in Alma, Van Buren, and Fort Smith. There's only one pastor who was sensitive to the coming of Christ. And he held a midnight candlelight service because of that. That was a lie. Okay. Um, how about the powerful? Now, see, the powerful were not surprised at this. What's interesting is that the powerful were, did not miss the coming. There's one powerful person who we, are, or we watch the reaction, Herod. How does Herod react to the news of the coming of Christ? The murder of every male child. Now, there was no passivity to his reaction. Now, see, we see something. We see that the people at the bottom and the people at the top, they are aware of what this news means. The rest of us, we tend to kind of miss it. So what we see is this. We see a consistent theme with the people who are pressing through the crowd to touch the garment, the people who are being dropped through roofs to touch God, the blind beggar who is sitting on the, on, the, on the curb screaming, losing his dignity for Christ to turn and see him, the shepherds who are sprinting into town to tell everyone, the woman who no one cares about, who is trying to share to everyone what God is doing. These are the people who get it. These are the ones who see. All of the people who we don't hear about their stories, we don't hear, we don't find out about them. These are the ones who miss it. And so here's a question for us. If we are not sensing it, if we don't feel it, what do we do? I was um, watching Stranger Things. You guys watch that show? It's, it's, okay, here's the honest people. Amen. I like them. It's not a Christian, just get over yourself. Okay, it's a, it's a really good one. But there are some spooky moments where you start going, I want a doll, I'm good, I'm good. That didn't scare me. I'm watching this scene, and it's really kind of weird, all right? Freaking me out a little bit, but I'm fine. I'm an adult. And right at this moment when the TV gets loud and there's some crazy stuff happening, it's like 2 o'clock in the morning, boom, the door opens up, and here comes my child zombie running into my room. (laughs) I about kicked that child in the face. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I'm good, though. There's something about darkness. It doesn't matter how old you get. When the lights go out, all of your senses begin to turn on. Your brain starts to go into overdrive. You begin to listen more intently. You begin to smell, to feel, to look. You begin to search. Your eyes begin to adjust. Your ears begin to adjust. Your brain begins to get in overdrive, extra sensitive. What is going on out there? There's something about darkness that turns on our senses, makes us sensitive. In the scriptures, darkness is a word used for suffering. 
I'm not sure if you've been in a place recently where you've suffered. You've, there's a family I know of right now who just found out that their child is deathly ill. They are suffering right now. They are sensitive right now. When I do funerals, when I go to hospitals, when I spend time with people who are hurting, they are more open, more sensitive, more aware of everything happening around them. There is a certain type of prayer, a certain type of listening, a certain type of hoping that happens when we are suffering, when we are afraid, when we are in the darkness. And it doesn't seem to happen outside of that. And see, what's crazy about suffering is that these are the people, the people who suffer, are, they tend to be the people we don't have time for in our lives. Have you ever been around someone who's suffering who's very needy? You don't have to raise your hand. Have you ever been around someone who's very needy? If it's your spouse, keep your hand down. Okay. When there is suffering, when someone is needy, you can't just take care of them in five minutes. You can't just kind of give them $5 or a hug. Okay. Or a quick prayer over the phone. Or text message with, you know, smiley emoji faces, you know, prayer hands. When someone is really suffering... None of that works. The only thing that makes you feel on the inside like you're helping is being present, meaning to physically go and to sit with someone, to be there, to make them food, to clean their house, to, to listen to them, to, you know, to physically be there is the only way to feel like you can help someone like that. And see, it's in this place of darkness, of suffering, that we are sensitive to pain, but we're also sensitive to the need for hope. And the reason we don't have room for people who are suffering in our lives is because they take too much. People who are truly hurting, who are truly suffering, they don't fit into our schedules, they don't fit into our lives, they just disrupt things for us. But here's the, here's the point of this morning. The one thing we see in Isaiah, the one thing we see in the Gospel of Luke and Mark and Matthew is that the people who are the most sensitive, the ones who see what God is doing are the people in darkness. The ones who are suffering, the ones who are hurting. The goal for us is not to go out and to create suffering. I don't want you to go out there and just like create pain in your life. This is not what we're talking about. If I cannot see, if I... <laughs> If I instantly lose my sight, my greatest hope is not to try to fix this. I can't change that I cannot see. I can't change it instantly. What I can do is find someone who can see. I don't know if you've ever been blindfolded before, but when you can't see, you have to have touch. It's not enough for someone to guide you with words. Okay, take a half step left and a step forward. What you need is for someone to let you put your hand on their shoulder. And you kind of follow them through the hallway. When we know that we aren't seeing correctly, we know that we're not hearing well, we know that our lives are comfortable, what we need is for someone to let us put our hand on their shoulder. The people who are suffering and in pain, the ones who we don't have time for, the ones who we think they need us, you don't get that. You're missing it. The ones who are suffering and hurting, those are the ones that don't only need us, but we need them. 
We might need to provide food or time or an ear to listen or a shoulder to, to cry on. We might need to do those things, but you don't get what happens to you. When you get around someone who is hurting and suffering, your view of the world begins to change. The reason that when that little kid on the screen is, you know, starving about to die, the reason you want to flip the channel is because even in that second, it's shifting the way you see the world. It's making you step outside of your comfortable house with the fireplace and the blanket and the TV and the hot cocoa. You have to have hot cocoa. And you're stepping outside in the cold and realizing that there is something more going on in this world than what you see, feel, and experience. The people at the bottom of this world, of this life, are the only ones who can be guides for us. There's something they have to offer you that comes more than just by prayer or by the Scriptures. Allowing your life to have space for people who are hurting. This, these are the guides. The ones living in darkness, these are the ones who see it. These are the ones who hear it. These are the ones who will change the way you see the world. Would you you guys stand with me this morning? I hope you hear me on this. There is no shame or guilt to be on you because you're comfortable. If you don't have people who are sick, that is not a bad thing. That is a good thing to rejoice in. If you're not struggling with money or with friendships or with your health, that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. That's a blessing. But the reason that God has created this relationship to where we who are have much, we connect with those who are little, those of us who are healthy, we make space for those who are sick. Those of us who are mature make space for those who are immature. The reason that the church works this way is because they don't just need you, you need them. When I was younger, I never understood why we prayed for God to return. The Lord's Prayer, we pray every Sunday. I thought that was the dumbest prayer possible. Why do we even need this? We already, have, we already have everything we need. Why do we need to pray for that? When you get into a hospital room with a parent whose child is sick, when you travel overseas and see what it's like for families who literally have nothing, when you sit in, the, in a room with someone who's lost the only job they've ever had their entire life, for someone whose spouse just divorced them and has left them, your world changes. You see things differently. All of a sudden, the lights go down and your senses turn on. And there's a sensitivity to God that only comes in the darkness. You don't have to go there. But you have to let those who are there in.